The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You are a visionary. You have a vision. You just need to create it and bring it to life. Welcome to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with your host, Kate Ebner. Our program will be an hour of inspiration from leaders who are making their visions happen and will set you on the path to having a big impact through your leadership and the life you really want. Now here's your host, Kate Ebner. Good morning, this is Kate Ebner. Welcome to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life. I'm delighted that you're listening this morning. We have a guest whose name is Jen Lim, and Jen has played a key part in helping the happiness movement get started. Since writing, co-authoring, Delivering Happiness, A Path to Passion, Profits, and Purpose, which came out in 2010, Zappos has become famous for its fantastic company culture, customer service, and its innovative methods of hiring, developing, and retaining great people. Jen co-authored the book about the Zappos story with CEO Tony Shea and then grew the book into a book tour, a bus tour, and an entrepreneurial startup called Delivering Happiness. Today we're going to learn how Jen and her team, who she calls a rogue team, are actually seeding a movement about happiness. And I think Jen has a very interesting story. We're looking forward to hearing it today. So welcome this morning, Jen. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Uh, I just want to make a quick clarification is we actually didn't co-author the book. I helped put the book together and put some, I authored my own part and, um, and, and contributed the third-party content. So I just wanted to make a clarification there. Thank you. That's helpful. Sure. Um, and as we, as we begin our show today, um, Jen, I think one of the things that I want to say for our listeners is that you know, uh, when, when the book first came out, um, I and millions of others read it, and I was, I was truly inspired, actually, by what Zappos had learned about their business. And I think as you read the book, you really can appreciate that what starts out as kind of a shoe-selling and distributing business mm-hmm. over time is understood as a company that's not delivering shoes to customers, but actually delivering, delivering happiness to customers. And I think the book is really about um, the evolution of a perspective that is a leadership perspective for the business. Do you think that's an accurate way of describing that? Yeah, I do. Actually, I think that's a, a great way. I, I appreciate you reading it and and uh, interpreting it that way because it's it's just really interesting having been um, consulting at Apple's for almost nine years now. Uh, the company is now 12 years old and basically seen it grow from a tiny little startup uh, to where it is today. And so what I... How I feel about that is what I guess the, the the analogy that comes to my mind is I feel like it's like my best friend's little brother. Um, I don't know if you remember back in high school when you had a best friend, they always had a little sibling. Yeah. And when you first meet them, they're so small and cute, and and a few years later, uh, you just look up wondering how big they are and, and in wonderment. And that's how I feel about Zappos. And if 
it's just, it's sort of that uh, relationship that you know there's a little bit of um, surprise and and wonderment how how this company that really just wanted to sell the most shoes in the world grew up and every st- stage along the way say every couple of years they had a, a a different sort of vision first it was sell the most shoes and then grew up and said you know we want to be the best customer service best at customer service and then a couple of years later grew up a little more and said you know we're actually going to treat our employees the best we can and that's our number one objective and then a few years later, it was the realization was dawned that essentially what Zappos is doing is delivering happiness to whether it's the employees or the customers and ultimately with a higher purpose of trying to deliver happiness to the world. You know, as, as you reflect on that, thank you for doing that. It's, it's actually fascinating to hear you describe that evolution in, in, from, some, from, the, from the ground level, so to speak. Um, <laughs> and I'm, I'm thinking as you're looking back at that, was it possible in those early years for Zappos to have understood that it was delivering happiness, or did you really have to kind of go through each stage? Um, I think it's just because it's a product of the people that are you know within a company, I think it had to go through that stage. But uh, I don't think a company necessarily needs to go through all the stages before realizing it. I think it just so happened uh, to happen with you know, what was going on with Zappos at the time with the people and the timing and whatnot. But, you know, like obviously now with, with all the lessons learned, starting a company like Delivering Happiness is is pretty clear what we're doing. And we didn't have to go through all those stages to understand what we're doing from a, uh, a higher purpose or a, a visionary perspective. Well, I, you know, I want to encourage those of you who haven't read Delivering Happiness, whether you're a business person or not, I highly recommend this book to you. It's a fascinating story. It's an entrepreneurial story. And it's really a, um, there's so many lessons that you can take away from it, including, I think, the lesson to, to be bold, to hold yourself accountable, and to have fun while you're in business. <laughs> yeah, right. There's actually someone that uh, wrote to us after reading the book that uh, he not only considers it his manual for business, but he considers it a manual for his life, uh, just because a lot of the concepts and um, realizations by the end of the book is that all these applications of happiness, and when we talk about happiness, it's about the science of happiness and positive psychology and how it essentially was applied to a company like Zappos and now how we're applying it to another company called Delivering Happiness, but how really it's an application for general life. So I thought that was a nice compliment for him to say that. Oh, I think it's a, it's a, it's a great compliment, and I'm sure it's a, um, what you're hoping for, actually. Um, for those of you who are, you know, just getting to know Jen for the first time, um, listening to this conversation, uh, Jen, I want to have you kind of back us up and tell us a little bit about who you are, what you're doing, and what Delivering Happiness is today. Sure. So today, um, I'm basically, after the book came out, we decided to create a company out of, uh, of basically an idea. And so that company, Delivering Happiness, Tony and I are co uh, co-founders of it and partners in it. And so I'm the CEO and chief happiness officer of that. Uh, one of the benefits of starting your own company, you get to make up your own titles as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, with Delivering Happiness now, our number one mission still stands the same in the sense that we had no idea that it's so much uh, positive feedback from not just the business sector, but outside of the business sector, uh, like government, hospitals, schools, even families, 
Uh, one mom wrote it to us saying, I'm going to be the CMP, the chief managing parent of my household, based on these core values that were discussed in the book. And so that's still our number one mantra is how do we continue to nurture this organic community that grew out of it, essentially what we're calling the Delivering Happiness Movement, and and make a meaningful platform for them to interact. And now that we're at almost 18 languages, it's become a global platform. And it's something beyond my wildest dreams of what could have occurred. So that's our vision and mission is to create and, and grow and inspire happiness in the world. And in the end, we're, we're ultimately nudging the levels of happiness in the world. And by doing that, we're creating a, a company. So essentially a startup and the ways to financially sustain ourselves since we want to be sustainable. Um, we have de- delivering happiness at work, which is basically helping businesses realize happiness as a business model. And we have a merchandising arm that basically with all the profits uh, and proceeds that go through that, go to, go into fueling uh, the company and the movement. So, um, you know, you say on your website, you know, from a book to a movement, or you know, basically it all started with a book and then there was a book tour and then there was a bus tour mm-hmm. and then there was a, a company and now there's a movement. Um, tell us a little bit about the bus tour. You kind of went out across the land and what happened? Sure, yeah, we, um, you know, when we were approached by people asking us about what are you going to do for your book tour, we thought it would be not as fun just to fly in and out of cities and go to bookstores and do signings, so we decided to um, buy a bus and, and see the country and actually meet the people that are were sending us you know, their emails after reading the book. Uh, so we bought a bus from the Dave Matthews Band. I don't know how, if there are any fans of the Dave Matthews Band out there, but we actually bought it from the uh, the bass player of the Dave Matthews Band, so apparently they're they're doing really well still, which is great <laughs> to hear. Um, but, yes, yeah, so we just took it on, on the road, and we didn't know what to expect other than we, we had a theme for the tour, which was inspire and be inspired, because with all the, the stories and the emails that we got from everyone, we were just inspired to do something. Um, and so that's what kind of fueled our desire to get out there and, and meet these people. So it was 23 cities, three and a half months. Um, over over that time, we had about four to five events in each city. So sometimes it felt like we were planning for 60 weddings. If uh, if that kind of if anyone's been married 60 times, I guess you know what that feels like. But it was actually one one of the most um, exhausting times of my life. I don't know how rock stars do it, but uh, it was one of the most amazing because just just hearing the real stories and stories not of people just that have read the book, but also that haven't read the book and, and knowing that we were just out there to spread this message of delivering happiness um, and meeting people on the way that just felt like it was so timely that uh, there was one woman in Chicago, her name was Melissa, and she was, we were at a, a music festival and she was uh, dancing her heart out. Uh, there's a, a 80s cover band. Um, a couple hours later, she came on the bus, and she was, you know, clearly emotional. She had uh, tears in her eyes, and we were wondering what's going on. And she said, "Well, you guys don't know how timely it is, because the only reason why I'm in Chicago is because my best friend slash sister just committed suicide." Mm-hmm. And at that moment, you know, those are the things that you can't foresee. But is is that you know, inspired and be inspired? She was inspiring us, and that she made a choice to go out and get her best friends and celebrate her life instead of, you know, be sad at home. So um, those are the kind of moments that we you know, couldn't predict, but that's basically what happened what, on that tour. That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. We're going to take a break um, here, and then when we come back, 
love to hear a little bit more about what you learned about happiness on that tour, Jen. Sure. So thank you, and we'll be right back. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Do you want to take your organization to the next level? The Nebo Company develops leaders, teams, and organizations to achieve their highest potential. We provide executive and team coaching, leadership courses, mentor programs, and retreats tailored to the unique goals of your organization's leaders. With national reach, Nebo specializes in helping senior leaders to articulate a compelling vision, then develop the strategy, goals, and accountabilities that make the vision real. For more information, visit NeboCompany.com. Be sure to ask about our leadership and life curriculum. Again, that's NeboCompany.com. If you are looking for both an inside and insightful look at what you're not seeing in media coverage of today's legal, business, and policy battles, tune in to In the Court of Public Opinion with host Jim Haggerty. What happens in the public arena affects us all. Whether you're following the latest high-profile court case, corporate crisis, or are just interested in government and policy, be sure to tune in every Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. The witnesses are ready and the jury seated. So join us for our next session in the Court of Public Opinion. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. Now, back to today's program. Welcome back. My guest today is Jen Lim of Delivering Happiness, and we are talking about the bus tour that she took um, after the book Delivering Happiness came out. This was a book tour, bus tour across the country. Uh, the conversation was about happiness. And, Jen, you were, you were talking about the, the theme was inspire and be inspired, and you were inspired by the people you met. You know, we're in the middle of some tough times economically, and I know a lot of people are struggling out there. Um, did you encounter that, and how did people react to this theme of happiness? Sure. Uh, yeah, we did. We did encounter it. Uh, you know, it's, it's just interesting to see, you know, even though from all we hear, especially media, of how tough times are, uh, which is true in many ways and is affecting a lot of lives, when you're actually going out there and meeting people and, and seeing what they're actually doing in life, you don't feel that as much. Uh, we, I mean, we went from, we visited... Um, Parks to talk to the you know people that didn't have homes at the time and um, to businesses that were flourishing like Groupon and at the end of the day what I got out of it was that um, like we, a lot of research shows that you know fifty percent of our uh, of what we are made of is, is or constituted from um, is purely from genetics and ten percent is from environment so. The 40% is actually what we can actually control. And so that, I think, is was one of the lessons I learned was just some people out there are really making use of that 40% towards a better life, towards greater happiness. 
even though they might not have the best conditions around them, uh, even though they might have just lost a job or a sister or whatnot, but that percentage of control is what I think um, should be reminded to every everyone that, you know, throughout life's highs and lows, uh, by, by being reminded that actually, you know, not just thinking about it, make, but making real actions based on those decisions makes a world of difference. Uh, and that's, again, what I think was inspiring us to to continue what we're doing and to, to take it from the bus tour to an actual company and a movement. When you came into town, were you sort of greeted or did you attract attention? You know, do people know you were coming? You know, and, and, and what did they do? Uh, well, it depended on the town. We, kind of, we wanted to make events that were, uh, you know, sort of genuine to the town. So if for New York, New York we, we did an ambush of Times Square, so no one knew we were going to basically rent 15 pedicabs uh, and branded Delivering Happiness and just hand out books and T-shirts, and, and we have signs with happy, you know, winky, our mascot is Winky. And so that was totally unexpected, and, and it was really fun. And we, it was one time we rolled up next to a uh, double-decker, you know, those, those red double-deckers that tourists usually take in, in New York, and we were throwing things up into the uh, second level, and there was a gentleman, I believe he, I'm pretty sure he was from Europe, but he just kind of shouted at the top of his lungs, uh, God bless America. <laughs> and it was just a funny moment of, like, you never know if those things are going to happen. But some cities uh, were expecting us. Um, we, we went to New Orleans, and that was that was amazing, uh, just, you know, with, with the history there. And recent, still very recent, even though it might be, doesn't feel like it is for many people, but just the wake of... Um, Katrina and just feeling their resilience, and we we did a block party with them and had a parade, the traditional Northern style, and and so yeah, it just really depended on um, on the city, and we had different experiences in each. Then what does a chief happiness officer do? <laughs> um, I just laugh because a lot of people ask that question. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so for for us, I think it means different. Things there's actually now that uh, I am one there's other ones that reached out to me and say hey I am too uh, in the world um, but for me for and for delivering happiness it's synonymous with just being the CEO of the company uh, but uh, the reason why uh, I think it was just um, more than a symbolic way to represent by being both CEO and CHO is to say that happiness we feel should be a part of that higher priority in any organization, be it a company or a community, um, because it's such a basic human need and desire that, unfortunately, with as much advancement we have as a society, we're really, really bad, and this is you know, based on the research that we're really bad at predicting what will bring us long-term sustainable happiness. And we're at that tipping point of understanding from an analytical and, and research-based perspective what it takes to increase our levels of happiness. And so that's why I think it's that important, and that's why the title of Chief Happiness Officer. I like that. I like the way that you've um, partnered the titles of CEO and CHO, Chief Happiness Officer, really making that point that um, this is the the executive job, you know, Mm -hmm. looking out for the the happiness of, of all in the organization and, and yet I know you also um, see that as a, a shared responsibility of everyone. And for those listening, I wanted to share with you some of these titles at Delivering Happiness. I think they 
sound like they're having fun there. We have a, a person who's called the Happiness Hustler. We have Chief Pixelator, um, Captain Chatter. We have a Happiness anthropo- Anthropologist, I think it is, a Culture Ops Diva, Chief Webolutionary, a movie-making mapster, whose name, of course, happens to be Maddie. And as I'm looking at these titles, I'm curious, you know, uh, how did you come up with them? <laughs> Essentially, we just asked each individual to come up with them and uh, what they thought was suitable for, you know, what they're bringing to the happiness table. And um, in it is, you know, a sense of fun that we're, you know, we're, we're, we work hard, but don't take ourselves too seriously, but also gives a sort of element of empowerment, you know, just for everyone to be able to decide who they are and what their role is. Um, and, you know, the sense of uh, sense of control and, and freedom uh, that comes along with happiness. Well, it's, it's a lot of fun just looking, you know, looking at your website, looking at your team. You have a birdie on our shoulder advisor, Salesforce <laughs> Sherpa, uh, smile operator, you know, so I just, I, re- I, I appreciate the sense of fun and it seems like it's a great example of the kind of, um, the kind of things that culture can do or sort of a commitment to empowering people can really do. Um, you say, you know, you talk about nudging the world to a happier place. Hmm? What does that really mean? Well, we want to be realistic in, in how we're approaching this because there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of naysayers that come across us and sort of, say, oh, that's, you know, that's really just not anything I would ever believe in because of blank, blank, blank. And, and we, 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 you know, actually embrace that because in the end of the day, um, we can't please everyone, but uh, happiness is, is a concept that is universal. And the fact that we are actually based on ways to increase an individual or a team or a company's um, or groups happiness levels is very real and it, it goes back to showing the what we've done what Zappos has done and and whether it's you know increasing engagement in employees and therefore productivity and therefore profitability or showing that uh, with the more relationships you have in the in the depth of your relationships you actually are a happier person uh, these are all you know cumulatively if we add up all these little acts together uh, the fact that people, after reading the book, sent us an email saying, I just quit my job because I want to pursue what I really want to pursue, my real passion, uh, to changing the way they look at customer service or the way they treat their employees. These are all little acts that essentially, if we add them all up, are accumulating to our nudge. And our nudge is really bringing this world to a happier place and increasing the levels of happiness. Say a little bit more, Jen, about the science of happiness or the positive psychology, um, the field of positive psychology and how delivering happiness has connected with that. Sure. Uh, I guess, you know, when talking about the history of the company of Zappos, uh, in parallel was this whole field of science of happiness and positive psychology that we encountered as, you know, when I was telling you the stages of how we were maturing, we were encountering as we're developing this whole notion of what are we actually doing. And so what we did and in terms of bringing that in is kind of absorbing all the uh, insights out there um, from Marty Seligman to just uh, academics that we know at Stanford and Harvard and sort of took that from a theory 
to practical levels of what we can actually do to apply it to something like a company. And so that's how we see it in terms of, and if you read the book, there's the last section actually kind of summarizes the, the different frameworks of how we look at um, all this absorption of you know, science of happiness and positive psychology and how we are applying it to what we're doing as Apples, but now also in everyday life. So what you've been able to do is kind of take the theory and translate it into practice and put it in an organizational context or a community context. Right. Yeah. And and so um, I'd love it if you could share an example. We just have a few minutes before our next break, but I'd love if you could share an example of maybe some work you've done recently with an organization mm-hmm. that has brought you in to help them with their culture. Sure. So I guess one example uh, that comes top of mind is that... Uh, there is an organization in the Tenderloin District of San Francisco, which, if anyone knows that area, it's not. It's probably one of the worst areas in terms of safety and whatnot and uh, poverty in San Francisco. And so there's this, uh, it's called the Tenderloin Housing Clinic. It's a nonprofit, uh, and the director came to us after reading the book and said, you know, that's all great, but, you know, it's not going to work here because I'll invite you to where my office is and you'll see what I mean. And so it was a true test because we showed up. It's in the Tenderloin. Even in the broad daylight, there's there's still a sense of you know, tension going on. We, we go to her office. She said, last week, we just in you know, this building, that someone just got shot in front of one of my workers, one of my employees. Um, so there is not even a sense of safety. So how can we talk about happiness? And so that was really interesting. And so we said, okay, well, let's, let's start you know, first from your core values. What are your core values? And she brought out a piece of paper, and it, had, it was just a filled with words, and I said, do you even know your core values? And she, she kind of laughed. She said, no, I don't. And so that's number one for us. If you don't know your values, and then your employees will definitely not know your values, and then you really don't know, have a basis of how to operate. So we asked her to go through the process of establishing core values and increasing more engagement, and like having more meetings and having more um, discussions of how like, to, to make your employees feel that they are appreciated. Three months later, she comes back to us and she said, you'll never, you'll never believe, I'm in disbelief of what happened. Things have changed. People are saying hi to each other. They're smiling more and we're going out more often after work. And, and it's based on just, just that one discussion. Um, so I, that's one example that pops in my head just because it was probably the most, one of the most opposite conditions you can find from Zappos. It's a great example. Thank you for sharing that. Sure. And we and and um, you know I think I think it's useful for people to realize you you really start with this idea of core values mm-hmm. and understanding really why I always think of values are what matters most to us. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody go about um, identifying their core values, and we just have a, a few seconds here before the break, um, Jen. But what can you what can you tell us about how to do that? How to establish core values, is that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what we did uh, at Zappos is, or what was done at Zappos uh, was basically, it wasn't until four or five years into the um, existence of the company that it was, the decision was made that core values need to be um, created. And so the choice was that everyone should, all the employees should be part of the process, not just like a senior management meeting on an off-site uh, creating them, but actually everyone being involved. So at the end of the day, there's real ownership of it from every individual. And so it actually took a long time because there was about 100-plus employees at the time. And so everyone was asked to submit their core values, and it whittled down from 
hundreds to about 30 to finally 10. And that whole process took about a year. And it, I think, I think other companies can do it differently, but I think the, the bottom line is to be able to uh, get all your employees to s- submit what they think their core values are, again, because at the end of the day, um, if, if it doesn't align with your personal core values, it's not a, a personal thing, it just doesn't align. So that uh, after you establish those core values, all the decisions made around it are that much easier, whether it's hiring or firing or, or you know, just as people change, sometimes the values are misaligned. And so uh, it's, a, it's a, I guess, one of the ways that a company like we did at Zappos and like was done at Zappos um, can scale as it gets bigger and not let culture go to the wayside, but the hope is that it actually grows and improves over time. Thank you, Jen. I think we may want to have another question about this when we return. We're going to take a short break right now. I'm talking to Jen Lim of Delivering Happiness. This is Kate Ebner, and you're listening to Visionary Leader, Extraordinary Life. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Do you want to take your organization to the next level? The Nebo Company develops leaders, teams, and organizations to achieve their highest potential. We provide executive and team coaching, leadership courses, mentor programs, and retreats tailored to the unique goals of your organization's leaders. With national reach, Nebo specializes in helping senior leaders to articulate a compelling vision, then develop the strategy, goals, and accountabilities that make the vision real. For more information, visit NeboCompany.com. Be sure to ask about our leadership and life curriculum. Again, that's NeboCompany.com. To perform at your maximum potential, you need to have all aspects of your life working properly. On Mind, Brain, and Body, Dr. Michael John Kell will bring you honest, open discussions concerning your physical, mental, and financial health. If you're ready to find purpose and meaning in your life, tune in to Mind, Brain, and Body every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific. Mind, Brain, and Body on Voice America Health & Wellness. Radio dedicated to your health, wealth, wisdom, and purpose. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. Now, back to today's program. Welcome back. This is Kate Ebner, and I'm speaking with Jen Lim of Delivering Happiness. And we're talking about how an organization, a community, and a family, a team, or an individual can um, make the shift to a happier and more connected way of being. And, and uh, Jen has a lot of experience with this. She helped to um, create the book Delivering Happiness and has since turned that book into a movement, a company, and a methodology that she can actually bring into companies with her team. And, you know, many, many companies, Jen, that I work with as a consultant struggle with these issues of culture, and so I'm quite fascinated to hear you talk about it. You have a way of making it seem so accessible and even simple, and I want to go back to the topic we were on about core values and just, 
you know, um, you said that you know, even at Zappos, as the company was growing, you know, this, the development of the values that reflected everybody's values was a really important part of growing and preserving the culture. Um, you know, how long does it take? I mean, what kind of an investment of time and, and effort is it for a company? Um, well, it really depends. I, one of the lessons learned was since that uh, Zappos started developing them later in, in its uh, existence, so four or five years into the company, it took longer because of that, because of there were more employees at the time. So the, so the lesson learned was do it as early as you can. And so that's what actually we're doing at Delivering Happiness, having gone through that process, um, doing it as early as we can. We're a young company, but we're, in, we're actually in the midst of creating our core values and Essentially, it comes back down to uh, asking each employee to create their own personal values. If they haven't already, to list them all out. And we, there's, we have a guide of all the values that uh, a person could have. So to kind of you know, t- take a lot of time in, in really understanding what those values are and how they apply to them and really just listing. If you had a list, 10 to 15 values that are core to who you are, what would they be? So we're getting that uh, information from all of the employees, and now I'm taking a look and seeing in terms of what's most important across the board. So basically, just taking a you know a survey of like the highest ones and the lowest ones, and whittling that down, and then taking it back to the employees as a team next time around to see how we can make another round of you know. voting, I guess, on what your most important values are as a team. And so it's a very diplomatic way, and it's not, it's not a, you know, I'm not in a room saying these are our values and then that's it. It's more of like, what are your real personal values and how are they apply, can they apply to this company called Delivering Happiness uh, with a mission to uh, continue to create and spread uh, happiness in the world. So the, uh, the benefits of it, even though, it, again, a lot of people might think it sounds too corporate or just sounds a little too, uh, like a lot of people remember seeing companies with like a plaque of core values on the wall that don't really mean anything. But at the end of the day for us and what we've, as a result of what I've seen and learned from Zappos is that you really need to live and, live and die by these values as a person would for their personal core values. And what we mean by that is just saying everyone uh, that comes on the team has to really live by these. And if not, then it's just not a good fit. And the reason why is not just only like for uh, obvious uh, team camaraderie of people, like essentially a family. If it's a family that has similar values, you'll be able to go through the highs and the lows um, together, knowing that at the end of the day you can trust someone else's decision because you know you share those same values. And with that, it's that much easier, even though it's never easy in the end of the day, it's that little easier to to be making those kind of big decisions um, from a team level and an individual level because you want to have people feel empowered again to freedom to to make their own decisions and so as a fellow coworker or as a um, a manager having those values there makes everyone feel more at ease that you're these people can make you know their own decisions and roll with it. And if they make a mistake, it's okay. It goes again back to the values. This, um, how do you learn from it and keep on going? You know, I like the way that you said that. When you, when everyone shares the values, you know you can trust the decisions that they're making, and you know where they're coming from. Um, and it seems like it's in a way it's useful to maybe think of the development of a company's values not as 
a poster that we hang and we all know that there's five values and we can't remember what they are, <laughs> but instead is like a process people go through and participate in and then live. Mm-hmm. And so it's instead of just being a statement, it's actually a lived experience of mm-hmm. values and a process of cultivating values. You know, I remember when I was looking at your website a while ago, there's a question on the website I just love. And the question is really for perhaps leaders who are looking um, to to work with or, or learn from delivering happiness. The question is, if your business had on a mood ring, what color would it be? <laughs> right. What kind of answers do you hear to that question? <laughs> All over the place. Unfortunately, too many of them on the, on the blue side. Um, but... But there's a, before I go there, if you don't mind, can I mention something lastly about the core values? Please, yeah. Um, One thing that was really one of the more interesting projects that kind of came out of this exercise at Zappos was uh, something we called the Zappos Culture Book. And basically, it started about seven years ago, and every year we ask uh, employees to submit two or three paragraphs about what they think Zappos culture means to them. And now we're asking customers and vendors and partners to do it as well. And everything is published in a book, in a physical book, and unedited, except for typos or or grammar. Uh, Unedited because we really want to be transparent about what people are actually saying. And what's been interesting with that, so we do this annually. I actually put it together, and uh, it's become a, a... Interesting sort of seeing it grow from what a tiny little, when it was a smaller company into where it is today. And without really knowing, we were actually getting a sense of how culture was either strengthening or weakening by the use of the words of the core values. So over time, it actually, the the frequency of the usage of this, like core value number 10, be humble, uh, actually increased over time. So that was I guess uh, an indicator of how culture was actually getting stronger because of these core values were being more integrated in just what Zappos employees and, and partners and vendors, et cetera, feel about what's happening at Zappos as a culture. Um, so I just wanted to you know, use that as an example of how you can actually gauge and, and test for that from for an annual on an annual basis. Uh, and so, and FYI to all your re- readers, I'm sorry, your listeners, uh, is that the Zappos Culture Book is something we send free to anyone that asks for it. Uh, so if you want a copy, if you want to check out a copy, just feel free to send me an email. And my email is jen at deliveringhappiness.com, and that's jen with two n's, so j e n n at deliveringhappiness.com. I just wanted to mention that about the core values. I hope people take you up on that. I think that would be a fascinating thing to receive and to contemplate. And, you know, I I work with many companies, Jen, that do um, what they call employee engagement surveys, Mm -hmm. and then they get the results back and they're mortified Mm -hmm. about them usually. And they say, oh, I can't believe it. We did this, we did this, we did this, but somehow we didn't... um, Nobody seemed to even acknowledge all that we did this this year in that area, you know. And there's a, there's a sense of frustration, and also um, almost like you can't do enough. And what strikes me with the culture book is that you get the you get the feedback, so to speak, but you get it um, again in that participatory way of people contributing to this culture book, for better or worse. But it's a it's almost like a an art, a shared art project or something, creating this creative work yep. that describes the culture and from which you can derive, you know, just by reading it and looking at it, how strongly some of these important cultural values are coming through. Mm-hmm. Thank yeah. you for sharing that. 
been interesting to see it over time. But uh, to answer the question, um, yeah, the, the mood ring spans, uh, response spans, but uh, what's interesting also is that a great majority of, um, of people, and employees and, and organizations consider themselves unhappy. Uh, I think it's, I think the number was about 70% um, globally. I wouldn't double check on to verify that, but but anyway, a, a great percentage. But what was also uh, uplifting and um, in, in in seeing the response from the book was that some of the, the emails coming in were, "Hey, that's that's so great that you guys are doing that because this is what we're doing at our organization," and that was coming from a, a company like a, a gentleman, for example, uh, that was working at Samsung in Seoul to. Uh, to a hotel chain in Mexico City. And so that was the what I was saying earlier, the tipping point of realizing that there are a lot of other people and companies not just thinking about it, but actually doing things about it. And so that's why, again, an, another reason why we thought it was there was this need uh, to establish this company uh, delivering happiness and specifically for workplaces delivering happiness at work because... Uh, we basically started building this sort of connection, uh, a global web of people that are already doing certain things to increase happiness at the workplace. And so now we're becoming the platform of uh, this information that everyone can share and continue to share because it is a process. And at the end of the day, we don't have all the answers, but we know we're doing it uh, because of the right reasons and going in the right direction. Thank you very much for that. I think that's really a, a positive way of looking at it, actually. Um, I'm curious, you know, this is a show, as you know, called Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life, and I, I think you've shared with us the vision of delivering happiness, um, which I'll, I'll repeat, I think you said it was to inspire and be inspired um, and connect people. Um, and I want to just ask about two things. One is... You make a point on the website that um, people, you know, people can join and become part of a community, part of a movement. They can they can join a conversation, and so there's this really strong emphasis on community and connection. And I'm curious why that is. Like, what what do you think? Why do you think it's important for someone who is wanting to be in, be inspired and to be inspiring to also be connecting? Mm-hmm. Well, I guess there's. Uh a couple ways to look at it, just going back to, again, the things that we've learned from science of ha- the science of happiness and and one of the uh, consistent themes or concepts across all the things that we've read uh, is this idea of connectedness and relationships being one of the integral, if not one of the highest um, components to live a long-term, sustainably happily, happy life. And so... That goes back to the research and just seeing what I've seen from a more um, observational level of what has been what that means for for delivering happiness is that at the end of the day uh, we are sort of you know we're living our own lives but once we see someone else doing something out there that uh, somehow overcame these obstacles or somehow. Uh, decided to be true to themselves and pursued their, you know, did something crazy like quit their job and a bad economy and actually did what they've always wanted to do and actually succeeded. Those kind of stories at, uh, at the end of the day, especially 
you know, now that we're opening it up to a global level and seeing that maybe someone on the other side of the world had much less than what we have or what we grew up in, but yet they were still able to do what they dreamed of, those are the kind of stories that I think just kind of fuel people to to do something. Um, And it's not easy to act upon something that could be as hard as changing your life around, but I think the more stories you hear and the more people you connect with that have actually been taking those risks every day give you the power to feel like, you know what, it's time to do it too. And I think it's that uh, constant support of other people and knowing that there are other people dealing with the the same sort of decisions gives you at least a a piece of sense of peace um, that you're doing the right thing. You know, I I like your point very much, and um, I I would simply add to it that I've noticed that when people are um, making a choice to do something with others, Mm -hmm. they're often more motivated, they feel less isolated and alone, and it's more fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. With that, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, Jen, we're going to ask you to share your vision and also advice for us. We'll be right back. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Do you want to take your organization to the next level? The Nebo Company develops leaders, teams, and organizations to achieve their highest potential. We provide executive and team coaching, leadership courses, mentor programs, and retreats tailored to the unique goals of your organization's leaders. With national reach, Nebo specializes in helping senior leaders to articulate a compelling vision, then develop the strategy, goals, and accountabilities that make the vision real. For more information, visit NeboCompany.com. Be sure to ask about our leadership and life curriculum. Again, that's NeboCompany.com. Where do you stand with your money? Let me put this question a different way. Where do you think you stand with your money? Managing money effectively can mean wealth, success, and contentment. Not managing the right way can lead to stress, anxiety, and even health problems. To reach your financial goals, tune in to The Path to Financial Freedom with host Gordon Bennett. Every day we are faced with choices, and the wrong ones can be hard to correct. Don't make a bad financial choice. Listen every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Business. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. Now, back to today's program. This is Kate Ebner. I'm talking today with Jen Lim of Delivering Happiness. And she's given us some valuable insight about um, how happiness can be a business model, actually. It can be a, a, a real starting point for connecting people in your organization with something higher, something that matters to them and is also that has a big impact on their engagement and ultimately on the business's success. So we're, we have a few more minutes here with Jen today. And 
um, I want to kind of give you the chance, Jen, to express to us what is what's the vision you're working toward for delivering happiness specifically. No, for you, but for wanna, me personally. Yeah, yeah. When you look to the future and you imagine, you know, let's just say five years or ten years down the road, what's the difference you're striving to make through your own work, through your own life? What do you want to create? Uh, sure. Well, I guess for me, it's hard to separate what I'm doing with my own life versus what I'm doing with delivering happiness since I mm-hmm. really believe it's one and the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really believe in the concept of work-life integration. Uh, you know, not separation, obviously, but not even balance um, for in my mind because by integrating work and life and um, sounds like a, it could sound like a bad thing for some people, but it becomes easier for me because I know that everything I'm doing uh, in the course of a day is going towards that greater goal of, you know, becoming a, a better person and, and creating uh, good out of the things I'm doing with delivering happiness. So, so yeah, I guess the vision for it is, is not that much different. Uh, I guess the difference of um, where I was before this company started and where I am now, uh, that has not changed the course of what I want to do with my life. And at the end of the day, I guess the difference is that it's a different level of uh, scale and reach because when I decided what my personal values were, uh, and again, it kind of went through this, you know, like I was talking about Zappos before going through different stages, I, I was going through different stages as well. I, When I was growing up, I had... Um, I'm, I'm Asian American descent, and my parents, being Asian American, were pretty strict. And so I grew up thinking there's three quintessential things to be successful in life, and that was number one, get into a good school; number two, become a doctor or a lawyer; number three, learn a variety of musical instruments. <laughs> so naively, I, I I thought I had been a success uh, because I had gotten to UC Berkeley. I was studying to be pre med. And I, I had uh, several years of piano under my belt. Mm-hmm. But what happened was that I uh, realized it wasn't for me. And so I started wandering and, and looking for something that um, made me excited. And I found that in um, a field of study called Asian American Studies. And so when I told my parents that I was going to major in that, they you know, were basically blown away, freaked out. They said, you know, <laughs> are you serious? We, we're sacrificing all these things for you and your brothers. Uh, we're working on these jobs uh, so that we can survive and, and put you through school. We had you know, your ancestors sailed the Pacific Ocean in an ocean liner to, you know, to sacrifice everything and almost died uh, so that you can basically study yourself. And you know that was you know that <laughs> hit me. But wow, guilt ridden aside, like I I put my foot down because it was the first time I felt something so strongly. And so I graduated, and I was so excited to start my life. And then I realized what they were talking about. Of course, I couldn't get a job, and mm-hmm. that's when I, my turn to start freaking out. And so I started cold calling every company that I knew. And luckily for me, it was just a timing thing that. Um, it was the internet was being born, and so I became an internet consultant at KPMG, and so that, things were suddenly all glowy again. I, I had the money, I had the title, I had the status, and it was easy. 
And so, as everyone knows, the, the ending of that story, the dot-com bust, and I, I got laid off. And so I felt like, like an ultimate failure because I was realizing that everything that I thought meant something, the money title status, meant nothing at all. And so at that point in my life, I really asked myself, so what is it that I am actually seeking? Again, without knowing it, I was trying to develop my personal core values. And that period was when the dot-com bust, 9-11 happened, uh, and this was the biggest thing for me, and everyone has these kind of moments where your life turns around and all of a sudden you you don't know what's reality anymore. And for me, it was my biggest fear, which was uh, losing a parent. So I found out my dad had uh, colon cancer. And so with all these sort of perfect storm of things, it really forced me to think about what I was doing. And what I realized was that I was fearing failure. That was the decisions that was driving me. And so I faced first the biggest fear, which was losing a parent. And I faced my own fears for my personal life of actually doing things without the fear of failure. And so I reorganized all my priorities. And number one for me was clearly just the people in my life. And all the decisions uh, around anything that's important to me are based on that, and everything else falls to the wayside. Um, and so once I established that, things got so much clearer, even though at the point I didn't have a real job yet, I was still freelancing, but at least that was guiding me. And so when you ask what I see in the future for me, my vision, nothing else has really changed. I still want to live by those by that tenet of having... Um, people as the number one priority in my life. And it, in some ways, you know, it's so exciting that to have this platform to be able to share in what we're talking about, delivering happiness um, with the rest of the world. But at the same time, it, you know, time, you only have so much time in your hands and that takes away from the people that I started with and my, you know, my core. So that's my challenge and that's in, in terms of how I see uh, my life sort of uh, evolving is just to make sure not you know to to really be true to that original uh, value of mine and be there for the for my family for my friends and whatnot and if, and make it meaningful and that's why I come back to all this again back to the relationships and connectedness and meaningful relationships because I do believe I'm establishing more with the platform of delivering happiness but at the end of the day if I can't uh, be true to my real original relationships, then then it's all for naught. So I guess it goes back to just expanding this this global web of relationships and making things meaningful for people I care about. Wow! Thank you for sharing that. I I, I know your story, and I I love love that you shared it with all of our listeners. And it's such a compelling story in terms of you finding your way, and then also I think. Um, losing your way and yet finding your core values and and finding a new way and a way that you hope to carry forward into the future. Um, Jen, and as we talk today, I'm really struck by how strongly the values element of this um, is a foundation, actually, not only for the methodology of delivering happiness, but actually for you as a leader. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny. It wasn't by design. It sort of evolved that way. Uh, you know, the Things that life is funny that way. How uh, you never really know, but by by being open to different ideas and and opportunities, I guess um, somehow it all aligned uh, in a way. And and again, at the end of the day, we all know there's going to be more highs and lows. I actually have a personal belief that um, life will always get harder. It's going to get more difficult just because by the 
the, the product of, you know, people getting sick or passing away more and more as we age or whatnot. Um, but if you have those values, uh, if you have that sort of perspective and values in life, then it actually will get better, even though it will get harder. Well, that is certainly an inspiring thought, you know, to leave us with, Jen, and, and I think that's a great piece of advice. Um, for those of you who've been listening, I've been talking with Jen Lim of Delivering Happiness. I highly recommend that you go to their website um, or, and download that culture book. Um, and or go to the, do we go to the Zappos website or to the um, Delivering Actually, Happiness? it's not down because it's actually a physical book. So okay. the best way is just to email me at uh, okay. Jen at DeliveringHappiness.com with Jen with two N's and uh, give your mailing address uh, so, it's, so that we can send it to you. Great. So email Jen and get a copy of that. And, you know, I would also just really encourage um, those of you listening to get the book, Delivering Happiness. You'll find it inspiring. You'll find it surprising. And I think you'll get a real sense of what Jen's been talking about here with us today. Um, This is Kate Ebner. This is Visionary Leader, Extraordinary Life. And we've had just a great conversation today, Jen. Um, We'll continue to watch what you're doing and and tell people about you and hopefully help get this Delivering Happiness movement really rolling. Thank thank you you. so much for being with me here today. Thank you very much for having me. We sincerely hope you've enjoyed hearing from leaders who are using vision to create an inspiring future. Please join host Kate Ebner for another edition of Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life next Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Business Channel. Meanwhile, visit www.nebocompany.com for more tips on bringing your own vision to life. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.